You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I want to get into another article I read in the New York Times that basically hates mothers. <laughs> but before we get into that, I want to just uh, remind you, I, I put this on social media, but we're the show is now also on in podcast form. So it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and basically any other podcast platform. So we're going to still be on YouTube, but there's also the podcast option if you're, you know, if you like to jog and listen to whatever podcast or in your car. Um, secondly, just a reminder, we're on Patreon. So there's a link below if you want to subscribe. And so today, you know, I was reading the New York Times as usual. And I could, this, this article caught my eye because the title is Mommy is Going Away for a While. And... The writer of this article is Amanda Hess, and she talks about there's kind of a a slew of new kind of movies that are out, including this movie called The Lost Daughter that was directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. And basically, it's this idea of kind of um, mothers being discontent with their lives and leaving their children. And it's so I'm going to go through the article and, and talk about what this what she's saying in here and then talk about the biblical understanding and the biblical truth behind it so she starts off and she says the anti-heroine of the moment in movies like the lost daughter commits the mother's ultimate sin abandoning her children and then she goes on to say there are so many ways to do motherhood wrong and she lists all these different ways but then she says But the thing she cannot do, the thing that is so taboo it rivals actually murdering her offspring, is to leave. So she's saying leaving your children, leaving your children behind is the is still is taboo and it rivals murdering your offspring. And then she goes on to say the mother who abandons her children haunts our family narratives. She is made into a lurid tabloid figure an exotic exception to the common deadbeat father. And now, so now she's comparing mothers who abandon their children, basically leave because they are in the, in the lost daughter in that movie, the mother, uh, I read the, the review of it. The mother leaves, basically she leaves her child, her, I think it's her two children behind to pursue a career to pursue her career and to pursue an affair with another man. So, by the way, this is nothing new. Um, as you might know, I talk about this in my book, but Anna Karenina is is it's basically my all time favorite novel by Tolstoy, and uh, I, I mean, the, Anna Karenina and Moby Dick and Crime and Punishment are probably the top three novels ever written. In my opinion, but in Anna Karenina, and we're going to get into the Anna Karenina because she 
she actually leaves her her son, her little son behind and leaves her husband to pursue this torrid affair with Count Vronsky. And it ends up in disaster. But anyway, let's get back to the article. We'll get and we'll get it to Anna Crennan in a minute. But she so she compares the 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 mother abandoning her children to a deadbeat father but the thing is like the new york times never celebrates deadbeat fathers so but they're in this article they're celebrating women who abandon their children so that's the difference and and it's kind of a it's an unfair comparison to make about deadbeat fathers and and that so But she goes on to say, but lately the vanishing mother has provoked a fresh response, respect. So she's saying that, that women who vanish, women who abandon their families or their children are now getting, they're getting respect from the culture. Um, So, and she goes on and she, she talks about the lost daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal, her, that film. And, it's about a promising translator. She translates uh, poetry, Auden's poetry, into into different languages. It's a it's about a promising translator who deserts her young daughters for several years to pursue her career and a dalliance or an affair with an Auden scholar. So with a with a scholar, another man who's played by Peter Sarsgaard. Is it Peter? I think that's his name. Um, and also she brings up the, the HBO miniseries Scenes from a Marriage, which is stars Jessica Chastain. And I rem- I saw Scenes from a Marriage, the original one by Ingmar Bergman. That was, it was a miniseries from 1973 and it's like six hours long. <laughs> and I watched, I watched it years ago and it was so riveting i mean it was like i was i mean it's in swedish so it's kind of you know i read subtitles for six six hours but uh there's a there's a new a scenes from a marriage on hbo starring jessica chastain and apparently in uh in this new version because this didn't happen i don't think this happened in the original but in the new version uh jessica chastain plays a boston tech executive who jets to tel aviv for an affair disguised as a work project so basically jessica chastain is discontent she's dissatisfied with her life so she she leaves her family and um, jets off to israel um and then she goes on amanda hess goes on in the article she says when a man leaves in this way he is unexceptional but when a woman does it, she becomes a monster or perhaps an anti-heroine writing out a dark maternal fantasy. Feminism has supplied women with options. Uh, we'll get to feminism in a minute. Feminism has supplied women with options, but a choice also represents a foreclosure and women, because they are people, do not always know what they want. And then she says... As these protagonists thrash around their own decisions, they also bump up against the limits of that freedom, revealing how women's choices are rarely socially supported, but always thoroughly judged. So again, like she's she's bringing up feminism. She's bringing up how women are judged for their choices uh, and men aren't. And it's again, it's just kind of like this, the usual, it's 
the same old story of the feminist kind of movement, especially now. It's like pitting men and women against each other. It's this kind of it's this Marxist thing. It's it's like instead of class struggle, it's a struggle between the sexes. I've talked about this before. And that's what feminism, especially now, does. It just pits men and women against each other. And it's like it's this constant battle of like, you know, well, that's not fair that you get to go off and go to work and have this career, but I have to stay home with the kids like that. You know, it's always this kind of this self pitting kind of kind of idea. And it's like, yeah, but and we're going to get to this in a minute, but there God designed men and women differently. He, if he designed and he designed their roles differently and there's not, there is no role is better than the other. They're equal in value. Men and women are equal in value, but they have different roles that God ordained and designed. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but, but already she's, you know, pitting men and women against each other, which is, it's, you know, it's, it's so destructive and it, it's an attack on the family once again, and again, you know, these coastal elites don't care about attacking the family because it doesn't really affect them, but it affects everyone else in the, in the world, in the country and in the world, um, because it, it destroys families. It, it, it leads to broken homes. It leads to mass incarceration because there's, you know, no father in the home. It's all, it's, it all leads to destructive things in culture and society mental illness, homelessness, etc. And so it might seem kind of like, oh, that's sort of innocent. And by the way, when Anna Karenina went, came out in the 1800s, um, I mean, it was scandalous that she would leave. I mean, it was, I remember, I can't remember who said this, but they were, someone said that only a man could write this story, Tolstoy could write this story because no woman would ever leave her child, but that's actually not true anymore. But I remember it was pretty scandalous when this came out because um, a mother leaving her child was a big deal in the 1800s. So anyway, she goes on to talk about the lost daughter and she says, but a mother leaving her children, that's a daydream, an imagined but repressed alternate life. In Sex in the City, in the Sex in the City reboot called, it's called Just Like That. There's a new Sex in the City, as if we need more of that show. <laughs> One of the characters, Miranda, now the mother of a teenager, um, she, Miranda is discontent with her life as a, as a, a wife of a man and as the mother of a teenager. She's completely discontent and she wants to basically, she wants to divorce her husband and leave her, her teenage son. She basically despises having a son. Um, and she says, quote, there are, uh, Miranda says in the, in the show, Miranda says, quote, there are so many nights when I would love to be a judge because she's a lawyer in the show. Remember in the original sex in the city, she was a lawyer. So she says, quote, there were so many nights when I would love to just, to be a judge and go home to an empty house. So again, it's pushing this narrative of like being a mother is miserable. It's terrible. It's, it's like being in bondage. It's, it's an awful kind of existence to, to be in. It's like a cross to bear. 
uh, when actually, when in reality, it's the most beautiful thing and amazing thing in the world being a mother. And so, um, and then she talks about, there's an Instagram group called the not safe for mom group. And on that Instagram group, there's confessions of anonymous mothers and they, they say things like, I want to be alone. I don't want to make your lunch. And again, it's just, it's this whole, and that, that's how feminism over the, since, you know, over the last 60 years, since the, since the 1960s, uh, how long has that been? 70 years? Um, the feminist movement has seeped into our consciousness as a culture and, and that's why there's there's so much discontent dis- discontentedness um there because the the idea of being a mother the idea of staying home with your children and nurturing them and raising them is so antithetical to what the culture tells us today and what every single tv show movie newspaper everything tells us today um that we're supposed at this point in the culture, we, <laughs> the culture like looks down upon, as I've said this before, it looks down upon quote unquote, stay at home moms, which I hate that term. It's, it's a ridiculous term. Um, but the, the culture looks down at, at mothers who choose to have a family and choose to raise their kids. And so that's what's happening here in this article. And she says, being alone, this is the mother's reasonable and functionally impossible dream. So, again, it's just like kids, having kids are just a terrible, terrible burden. And um, it just, yeah, it makes motherhood seem like the worst possible choice a woman could make. And so there's no wonder that young women you know, don't want to be mothers or, you know, are waiting for, for so long to, to get married and, and have kids. And Amanda Hess talks about her own toddler. She has a child, the art, the woman who wrote this article. And she says, at one point she says, I wonder whether his neediness, this is like a toddler, right? (laughs) And she's calling him needy. I, I wonder whether his neediness is attributable to some parental defect perhaps related to my own constant phone use. Yeah, maybe he's needy because he's a child and he needs his mother. Perhaps that's the why he's that's why he's needy. Uh and then she goes on to talk about this woman in um The Lost Daughter that film by by Maggie Gyllenhaal and she says the character wants to attend to her translation work, but she also wants someone to pay attention to her. So she's not getting enough attention, right? So they, of course, in the in in, in the movie, they make the husband, they they make her husband kind of like sort of distant and like like he's the bad guy. It's always the the, the husband that's the bad guy. So whatever we can do to degrade the man, the the degrade the man in the family, the husband in the family. We're going to do that because we want to abolish men. We want to abolish toxic mas- masculinity. But she says, 
you know, this character wants someone to pay attention to her. So, and, and she says, to be blunt, she wants to work and to have sex. I'm not, that, I'm not kidding you. That's the, to be blunt. She's, I'm going to repeat that. She says, to be blunt, she wants to work and to have sex. So that's the, that's the feminist movement, like uh, in a nutshell. That's, that, that says it all. Like she, instead of, in, instead of loving her family and, and enjoying this family that she has, this, she has a, uh, I think she has two daughters in it and her husband, she would rather work and just have sex with someone else. Like that, 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 that's the feminist, that's the feminist movement. And in scenes from a marriage, the Jessica Chastain character, um, she talks about her, her getaway drug to abandonment is as often is the case, a business trip. So the way she gets the kind of the way she gets out of being a mother is to take a business trip. Um, and again, it's just that kind of pitting career against motherhood, pitting, you know, just that this, this is whole feminist uh, ideology that is so destructive. And she goes on in the article to say, each of our absent mothers has her reasons. The, the woman in The Lost Daughter, her, her academic husband has prioritized his career over hers, and this makes her decisions legible even sympathetic. So again, it's like pitting careers. It's like there's this competition between husband and wife uh, over their careers. Like, well, you're doing well in your career, so like that's not fair. I'm going to do my career and I'm going to, you know, beat you. <laughs> I'm going to win. Instead of like let's we're one flesh and we have children and let's do this together. And, you know, you're going out and you're supporting us as a family so I can stay home and raise our children, which is the most beautiful thing, as I said before. It's like, it's insanity. Um, so she goes on to say a few other things. The trouble is motherhood itself and its ideal of total selfless devotion. So the writer of this article is saying that the the real problem is just motherhood itself because it has this idea of selfless devotion so basically it's better to be selfish and narcissistic and pursue everything you want instead of love your children and raise them like this is just it's so upside down and bizarre and she says that they these these characters they long to be offered a different position dad so they want to be like dad so these women want to be again it's this competition between men and women they want to be like a dad so they have more quote unquote freedom to like pursue their career but it's like that part of the curse of the fall was man's the, the man the, for for adam was the toil in the in the in the gritty work that he had to do like that's part of the curse and the curse for women was in childbearing the pain in childbearing but um uh so they they want to be dad and she says the character wants to behave like a man and a slightly bad one 
and and she says uh, she says men do it all the time she quotes from from one of the from the movie scenes from a marriage she says men do it all the time so again it's just this this constant battle of the sexes this constant competition between men and women and yeah there's so much so much and by the way it doesn't turn out well for Anna Karenina in the end and i'm this can't be a spoiler alert because this book has been out for 200 years or however long it's been uh but you know at the end of this it's such a stunning ending it's so powerful but basically anna her affair with count vronsky falls apart so she's lost everything she's lost her husband she's lost her child she's lost her lover and she's completely tormented and she ends up throwing herself under a train and committing suicide and her last words i think her last words were it they're so so moving when i read when i first read this her last words are god have mercy on me and she throws herself under the train and dies so dramatic but yeah it doesn't end well um these kinds of things don't end well and there's a reason they don't end well is because it's uh, when you go every time and this is for in all situations anytime you go against god's design or god's plan or god's will or god's word it always ends up in destruction there's always it's always a road to perdition a road to destruction and so i just want to end on paul's you know this this is going to sound to to our modern ears it it sounds so retrograde (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it could sound very shocking, but listen what to what Paul says in Ephesians 5. I mean, this is just one example in the New Testament, but Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Okay, that's shocking. Even as Christ is the head of the church. So Paul compares the head of the ch- Christ and the church and the husband and the wife. And he says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, some of your heads are exploding right now, maybe, but that's, that's the word of God. This is the word of God. And we know it's, this is not just about Paul's culture at the time. This is transcultural. And I'll get to that in a minute because Paul grounds this whole passage in the creation account. So it's, it's not just for the first century. This is for all time. But he goes on, the good news, uh, the, there's more, but the, wait, there's more. Because he goes on to say, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So men are not off the hook. So wives submit, he says, wives submit to your husbands. Husband love, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now that's a giant that's a pretty tall order for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church. That's that's amazing. And so and he said he goes on to say in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are all members of his body. And here it is. Here's where he quotes Genesis 2. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, note again, notice how Paul grounds this whole argument in the creation story and the creation account. And so we know that it's not just it's not just a cultural thing of Paul's day. It's transcultural. It's it it applies to us today. And I've said this on the show before. I mean, everyone is submitting. We're all submitting. I'm submitting to Christ. My life is completely, I mean, I hope it is. I pray that it is completely submitted to Christ. Wives are submitting to their husbands. Husbands are submitting to Christ. Like, uh, you know, the the Trinity is is submitting. Jesus submitted to the Father. Jesus even said, let this cup pass from me. But And then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. So he's, Jesus is submitting to the Father. The Son submits to the Father. The, the Holy Spirit submits to the Father and to the Son. So everyone's submitting. We're all submitting. And submitting is not a bad thing. It's actually, there's so much freedom and joy in submission. That, and I talked about, I've talked about this before, but, you know, before I was saved, I was all, just so all over the place. And didn't know what the the truth was was just kind of a mess. And then when I got saved, and I r- realized I it wasn't even a, a chore to submit to Christ. It was joy because it was like, oh my gosh, I have <laughs> I have a Savior who plucked me out of darkness and into His light and gave me eternal life. And I'm royalty. I'm the co. I'm an heir to God, a co-heir with Christ. Uh, you know, and so the the idea of submitting to Christ is not a burden to me. It's actually the most freeing, liberating thing ever. It's a joy to do it. And so, but the culture wants us to see submission as a terrible thing, of course. And so, um, don't believe the lies of the culture because they're always going to lie. And um, yeah, just believe the word of God because it's it's going to always lead to life. It's always going to lead to flourishing. So anyway, that's that's the the that's the word for the day. And so um I will see you next week. Uh, up I have a few guests coming up. Um Sean McDowell's going to be on, Sam Albury's going to be on. Uh and Natasha Crane, so and Nick Tortorici, who was on my show before, he's going to come on, and we're going to talk about evangelizing in the workplace and how uh, because we both were set designers in Hollywood, and so we're going to talk about kind of specific things that we did in the workplace and how we evangelized in this crazy t- <laughs> town. So I hope uh, you guys will join us for those episodes, and um, I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com.
Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.